would have been. I like you. What do you think? Yeah. I do, when, you, when I do, you call me a racist. <laughs> <laughs> and who was right? Goddamn right. right. Hey, everybody out there in uh, podcast land. This is LTG coming at you with Rod sitting in the co-host chair. Yes, sir. We have a, uh, a special guest today, Rod. Uh, yeah, we have a special guest today. His name is Josh. He's my friend, uh, childhood friend. What's uh, up, guys? It's kind of weird, but, you know, we still invite him. Hey, that's all right. Hey. It's it's fine. I mean, we got rid of the herpes can't, now. Can't so. be worse than Brayden or Zeke. I mean, I'm telling you. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, we'll, 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 find we'll, we'll find out. To be fair, I got the herpes from you. And you, in turn, must have gotten it from Zeke. Yeah. So. And I'm right. pretty sure Braden was somewhere in that mix. Makes sense. Probably was. Probably was. Yeah. yeah. So go ahead and introduce yourself to everybody watching us right now. So, so guys, I'm Josh, 22. Single. Not really. Ready, ready not to really. mingle. No, <laughs> he's not single. No, no. Not really. His um, his girlfriend will hit him in the house yeah, later. Like, How the fuck are you saying you're single? <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't say anything. That was all him. Understand that. <laughs> he's single, ready here. to mingle. No, I'm not. Bullshit. I don't even know how to mingle. <laughs> All right, proceed. <laughs> All right, what do you got for us today? So we're going to be talking about the Vario case. I'm pretty sure a lot of our older generation, maybe my age, might know about it. You know, it's a lot on History Channel, and, you know, you might have heard about it in school. But it's D.B. Cooper, or Dan Cooper, better known as, but D.B. just stuck by Alpha and Error, which a lot of people don't know, which is actually pretty cool. It was a media error. But, um, yeah, there was some new information released uh, on uh, this other documentary I watched, and I followed some leads on the Internet, and I just thought this would be really interesting to bring to the podcast today. So what, go ahead and give kind of everybody a little bit of background, because, I, look, D.B. Cooper, I'm an old dude, right? Yeah. D.B. Cooper was my time. And I obviously know about D.B. Cooper, but give a little bit of detail as to the background of D.B. Cooper. I mean, obviously go into more detail. Obviously, he... he he yeah. robbed a bank, hijacked an airplane, jumped out the airplane, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, give some background so that everybody understands who exactly D.B. Cooper was. And All right. Well, to kind of understand who he was, we got to kind of understand the era we were in. We were in 1971. Mm-hmm. Basically, we're... Um, this, so it's like 1971. So it's like uh, flight attendants and all like that. Women didn't still have that like right going for them fully yet. Like, they still had that sexualization going on. Mm-hmm. So it was like every female was kind of just sexualized. Mm-hmm. And so in 1971, right before, like, the aviation boom basically took off when just international flight was everywhere, mm-hmm. um, flight attendants were basically the new supermodels because you're on a plane, you see this pretty lady walking down, you know, they got to look presentable yeah. and nice. And so... Um, and back in the day, they were stewardess. Yeah, yeah. Not a flight attendant. It was a stewardess. Right. But not anymore, right? Things <clears throat> change. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. But so, like, back then, you just, just got to keep that in mind because it, it does play into the story here um, that uh, basically that the women there weren't were just basically flirted with a lot of the time. They weren't, weren't really respected a lot, a whole lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, we also got to realize that at that time, there wasn't really much airport security as well. So it was like you yep. could go up by any kind of plane ticket to wherever and nobody would really ask you a question. Yep. 
But don't even get me started on bag checks. You mm-hmm. know, you the cops. I was watching some videos on. Uh, uh, I guess you would say the terminals there in like the, the 70s, like to closer 80s when the airport security starting to tighten up. And mm. you would see the progression of like how security got tighter around all that. But yeah, so it was just like no airport security. Women didn't really like have s- too much going for them. And so it was like that's kind of the setting we're in right now. And when we're talking in like the early mm-hmm. 70s. Yep. And so. Basically, with what's what happened was, this gentleman went and bought a ticket um, on Southwest Airlines for flight three hundred five uh, to go to Portland, Oregon, from Seattle, and it was only supposed to be a thirty minute flight, and it ended up not being anywhere close to that. Um, so, Dan Cooper. Or we'll just say uh, John Doe because technically nobody technically knows this guy's name. Just refer to him as DB Cooper so that everybody right, right. stays on the same page. So DB goes up to Southwest Airlines ticket uh, counter to purchase a ticket. He buys one for twenty bucks back then. <laughs> twenty bucks gets you from Portland, Oregon. God damn! Twenty bucks won't then. even halfway fill up my <laughs> tank of gas anymore. <laughs> Not even that. Like, I wish tickets were that cheap. That's not even a full bottle of Jack. Yeah, exactly. It's ridiculous. Anyway, I wish tickets were that cheap. And so when you went up, bought the ticket and all that, he put the name down, Dan Cooper. So it was like that was the the start of his name. That's where Mm -hmm. the name really came in. Um, Other than that, there was no other, like, names given. Because, like, back then, 1970s, no airport security. You didn't have to to show your ID. You you didn't didn't have have to to identify yourself. It was so cool. Like, imagine just being, like, a 15-year-old kid and just being like, man, I I don't want to tell my parents I'm going to, like, Hawaii to Mm -hmm. deal with my friends. And, like, nobody I got the money to fly. I can pay the ticket. I'm out. 20 bucks? Let's do it. Yeah. (laughs) But, yeah. And so, goes up, pays 20 bucks. Then it ends up coming up to, like, 23 something after taxes. And... Ends up paying all of it, gets on the plane, and one of the policies back then, because it took a little bit longer for planes to take off, because it was a just slower process. It was all it was all done by like logbooks and stuff, so mm-hmm. it was like it took tra- longer for one logbook to reach another. Yeah, we didn't have computers back in those days. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then so, um, one of their policies to I guess. Uh, uh, customer service was while they're waiting to take off there. Everyone is asked if they like something before takeoff. And usually it was like the smaller beverages, but mainly alcohol basically. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, that's when everyone starts sitting down and there's two stewardess flight attendants, uh, walking from opposite sides of the planes towards the center to, uh, better get to people and get their orders and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And well, the one that encountered, uh, D.B. Cooper was staring from the back of the plane where he was sitting on. But, again, this is back in the 1970s. So not everything was so organized. Not everybody entered through the airport terminal. Um, ha- they used to fill up the planes weird. Uh, one side would fill up with the actual terminal. Mm-hmm. And, like, if there was extras in the back or, like, to hurry and fill it up, it was they would lower the back staircase and have uh, passengers come on through come there. come up the back staircase, yep. Yeah. <clears throat> And so he was uh, one of the first ones on is what I've read. And that when a lot of the more more people started coming on, nobody really noticed him until like almost takeoff when 
he started passing that note to the stewardess. And this is the part where I was saying that it was important keeping your mind that stewardess back then were basically sexualized mm -hmm. and they weren't respected very much. Because um, he had handed her a note and that was probably like the 10th note she got that day and she just kind of pocketed it. And so he was just like, I handed you that so you could read it. I didn't hand you it so you can kind of right. dis discard me. And so she picks it up. Sure enough, it reads... Uh, I have a bomb. I want you to sit next to me. <laughs> and so she's very panicked and she, she sits down. And so when that's going on and she basically asks to see the bomb, she sees like six, uh, six sticks of dynamites and a big old battery. And he's just explaining to her, I just got to connect these two wires and the half of like, and we'll all be gone. And like, that was basically like what he was saying to her right there until the other stewardess was actually approaching and like noticed and uh, noticed that the other steward, the other uh, flight attendant was sitting next to DB. And at that point, she had already dropped a note on the floor and the stewardess that was sitting next to DB was signaling the other to pick it up. And so she picked it up and went and, uh, cause you know how they have cell phones mm -hmm. that lead to the cockpit all over the plane? Yeah, phones that lead to the cockpit, yep. Yeah, <clears throat> and so she picked it up after she read it, and DB kind of gave her the glance. It was like, all right, she's relaying the orders, too, and she's here with me. Like, It was kind of a calm situation. That was the crazy part about mm -hmm. this whole thing is the entire time when he first got on, before he even – I guess I should – sorry, I forgot about that. Um, he ordered a single uh, glass of just bourbon. And um, back then, again, 1970s, he was chain smoking on a plane, dude. Mm -hmm. He was, like, just chain smoking. I think they recovered, like, seven or eight cigarette buds <laughs> on a 30-minute flight. Like, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, he's throwing them down. Throwing them down. He's a little nervous about something. Yeah. And so, um, back to where I was at. So, the stewardess signals the other to look at the note, and she starts relaying it back to captain whatnot. They get in contact with... Uh, flight control all that air mm -hmm. control and there you start relaying it to fbi local authorities and then uh southwest actually agreed to uh comply with the ransom and so that's where they all started getting it ready so basically um when they were taking off and all that and they were relaying the information he was uh relaying to them that he wanted two hundred thousand dollars and twenty dollar bills and he asked for a parachute but they had they had brought him one, and basically, I guess he thought they had tampered with it. And then he also realized it was a military issue parachute, so it doesn't have the manual pull cord. Right, it'll pull it for you once you get a certain distance because there's a tether connected to the plane yeah. that pulls it for you. Yeah, it's for the static line jumpers. Yeah, yep. apparently it had one of those <clears throat> or something like that. And so, or at least that's what I read a lot. So about. before they took off. DB was making these demands? No, right as they took off, he was making these demands. So how did they get him parachutes in midair? They didn't. They had the one that was, uh, they had a parachute that was from the captain's cockpit. Mm -hmm. And that was a military issued one. But then that's when he had said, that I'm getting to that part. Give me one second. All right, so all right. he, they're, they're almost at their altitude that they need to be at. And he's making these demands. And... Then they bring him the one parachute and then realizes that the money is not on the plane and that they're going to have to stop at another airport anyways to get that money. And so basically there was kind of a shift in a plan from my understanding on what I've read. That it was it was pretty smoothly on how he carried it out. 
because of how he kind of held himself as well, I guess you would say. Mm -hmm. But that there was just a little, like, friction, but that he, like, adapted to it very well, and he just kept his cool the entire time. And so right when it took off, demands are made and all that. And so they start rounding up all the money. So that way, by the time they get to the next airport in Oregon, everything's already all set up. And sure enough, they're already almost to Oregon. Well, on their way to Oregon, um, the captain starts relaying uh, false information to the passengers. Doesn't even tell them what's going on. Mm -hmm. Starts telling them that there's a little bit of mechanical issues on the plane and that they need to just uh, burn some fuel. So they stayed circling the Oregon airport for about two hours. <laughs> so from a 30-minute flight to two hours just circling yeah. around an airport until they had everything ready on the ground. And so for about two hours, nobody knew anything. Everybody was sitting up front. It was just nonchalant. Mm -hmm. And so by the time everyone landed, there was news reporters and all that waiting. And uh, obviously, I see a plane land. It's pretty interesting, actually. And uh, sure enough, the $200,000 and 20s go up to the plane. So do the four parachutes because he ended up demanding four uh, civilian-issued parachutes. I guess he was trying to do that to intimidate to kind of be like, I might take somebody mm -hmm. else and make sure these parachutes work. Sure. Or we're going to splat. Yeah. And that'd be bad news for everybody. Mm -hmm. And so um, when the $200,000 and the four parachutes got on board, he allowed all the civilians to, to basically get off the plane. <laughs> but the two stewardess and the two captains stayed on. And they refilled the plane. And then D.B. Cooper has a... Uh, a suggestion he just, or I guess you say a statement he's like we're flying to Mexico City and so they're like well we're going to need to refuel a few times and we're going to be flying that far and from my understanding at that point he just kind of like shrugged it off and kind of walked to the back uh -huh. and I'm guessing that's where he kind of got his idea like I might need to do this a little sooner but he was just so cool about it that's the part I still can't get over it's just right. like how can you be so calm in a situation like this Wow, because he had it all planned out, man. He knew what he was doing. Well, yeah, but then, like, the... You ever have a plan and just stuff goes wrong left and right, and you're just like, Jesus Christ, yeah, like, what am keep, I going to do here? And, yeah, you got to keep, keep your, your fucking cool. head, dude. You're talking about somebody who's been on SWAT and that <laughs> shit, fucking people shooting at me and shit. And so, yeah, you your first plan, that's the thing. That's how it goes. Every plan, hey, it works until first contact. Mm -hmm. And then that plan goes to shit. And then you have to fucking adapt, overcome, yeah. and make it happen. Yeah. And so that's, so I understand, like, I could see him doing this and having a plan and, okay, if things don't go exactly as planned, okay, cool, I'm going to pivot, I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do this. Like, I see that and I say, that's eh, a guy that actually has something planned out. Not, yeah. I don't look at it and go, oh, man, that's superhuman. Like, oh, this guy was absolute brilliant. He was, no, I'm a dumb guy. And when we did SWAT operations and rounds started coming in and didn't go as we planned, Brad and I pivot and did something different. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, if I'm if I'm a dumb enough guy to be able to do that, then this guy who is robbing banks and shit, fucking DB Cooper, he could fucking, you know, think on his think on his toes and get yeah. to where he needs to go. So anyway, it doesn't it's not hugely surprising to me because there are plenty of people out there where, you know, stuff like that just doesn't super affect you. Mm -hmm. it, it, you just you adapt to it and you overcome and so yeah. anyway that's what just that's just my point of view on it so but continue continue right. to where we are now right 
basically, um, they start heading for uh, Mexico City. And he had told them, the stewardess, to go wait up front with the, with the captains as well. And basically, the he was also telling them that they had to fly at minimal at minimal altitude and minimal speed. Minimal speed is about one hundred and fifty, mm-hmm. and is a jet. That's pretty slow for a jet. Oh yeah. But basically, the captains and DB were arguing on the flight, like <laughs> as he was trying to go to the back. It's <clears> like <throat> this guy is a bomb. You're trying to argue with them about how to mm-hmm. fly the plane, like really, <laughs> dude. Like, but anyways, uh. Yeah, but if he, I mean, you look at it from a pilot's perspective, if. If you can't make and maintain control and absolute 100%, 100% you know you have control over that vehicle at 150 miles an hour, then there's no way you're going to slow down to 150 miles an hour yeah. as a pilot. Right. You're going to look at him right. and go, dude, I can't do that. This plane, if it goes slower than that, we're going to start to stall. We're going to start to, you know, right. the nose is going to drop. But the whole reason DB was doing it is because if you get over 200 miles an hour, or at least close to that, and you try to skydive from that, you'll get pretty much torn apart in the slipstream and, oh, wow. and just the air. So that's the reason he was having them slow down. But anyway, proceed. Really? That's, that's good. I didn't know that. Yeah. Interesting. I told you he'd come up with something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know I'm not a fucking dumb guy. No, no. It's I'm pretty dumb. Hey, 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 but it, 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 No, it's because earlier this morning he was telling me about it, right? <laughs> so we were eating breakfast. Mm-hmm. And he was just chewing my ear out with this shit. So I was like, okay. I was like... Well, don't tell me everything. Just wait until we get there, because right. LT is gonna is gonna have some interesting points to this. Yeah. I was like, he'll come up with something. You'll see, and that's what I'm trying to get to. Yeah, yeah. I guess the the more interesting part of the story is the investigation, not the actual like what happened inside. I guess. Well, but let let let's at least finish yeah. and then get to the investigation. So then, what ended up happening on the plane? You know, he's arguing with the pilots. Hey, you got to yeah. keep it 150 because DB knows in his mind, I'm jumping out the fucking back of this thing. Right. They're thinking, oh, he just wants to slow down just so we don't get there fast enough. Probably. Yeah. I mean, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And then where does it go from there? So basically it ends up with him telling him, I'm not arguing with you guys. And he kind of like flashed the suitcase. And so indication, like I can just blow this yeah, up. I'll just blow you up. <clears throat> and so one thing that's another, and they did it. And so he had the stewardess and, and uh, the cap uh, stay up there with the captains and pretty much they knew they, they kind of had a sense that he left the plane when they felt like the atmosphere pressure change. Mm-hmm. When you open that back hatch, like I was yep. telling you, he entered it. Yep. So whenever that happened. But one, wait, did he actually use that parachute or did he use another one? From my understanding, they can't even find the parachute he used. So I don't even know. So you're not sure whether he used a military parachute? Oh or no, he, he used, used a civ- civilian. But oh, he uses. But when did he get it though? They when they had landed, they had when they picked. When they so they did land. Yeah. yeah, they land to give him the three. Okay. What was it? Three or four additional parachutes? I believe. Three parachutes. Four. Yeah, the four additional, and yeah. then he had the one from the cockpit, which was the military style. That was the static. Yeah. Plane. Right. So yeah. Yeah. Anyways, keep going. So basically, right before he jumps out. He, you know, you know what a clip-on tie is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He he has a clip-on tie, rips it off, throws it. Super dramatic, super cool guy moment. You know, just imagine right before you jump a plane, just ah, let's do this. You know, I and then just, out he goes. Yeah. Did anybody see him jump? No. See, that's the interesting part too. There apparently, um, FBI was in in contact uh, was contacting U.S. Army or Coast Guard, something like that, some sort of military branch is what I've read, and. Had two uh, F-106 fighter jets escort the plane until they could get the situation under control. 
And they had him positioned on above the aircraft and below, so that way he wouldn't be able to see that they were being basically escorted. Right. And the interesting part about that, the report that came back from the F-106 fighter jets is they didn't see anybody jump out. Well, okay, I don't find that too crazy because now if you think about this, most likely you have the air the aircraft itself flying. If you are trying to remain undetected as a pilot and you're above and below, you're going to stay forward of that tailgate area. Because if that tailgate area or anybody looks out back, if you're back anyway at all, they're going to see you and see that you're being escorted. But if those are above and below, now all of a sudden the ramp lowers at the back and I jump out, there's, there's not going to be a single thing that either one of those pilots saw because it's out of the back of the plane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, He lowers that back staircase, steps out and dives. They're not going to see that. He's right. not going to get picked up on radar. Right. <laughs> I mean, he's he's so minuscule as opposed to an aircraft or something else. He's not going to get picked up on radar. Right. It's not like the guy on the bottom is going to all of a sudden see a blip, blip, blip. Oh, shit, he jumped out. And, <laughs> and he's going to pan around and come yeah. back. It's just not going to happen. So, ninja fruit him. <laughs> yeah, so I look at that and I go, and I say, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, they were flying where they were supposed to be. They were escorting them the way they were supposed to. But if a human comes out the back, the back staircase. Yeah. Now, the back staircase, we're talking about the tail of a plane and the the back of it opens up and out you go. Right. Now, dude, he's already jumping and falling as they're, shit, travel 150 miles an hour. Like we said, they're already, and that's what, approximately 1.5, 1.7 feet per second. So they're, they're like scooting, dude, they're over like, they're like 250 feet per second hauling ass that way. And you jump out this way. Yeah. Even though, you know, as you're falling, you're falling this way, but he still jumps out. They're still, you know, 200 feet per second ahead of you. I guess you're falling. I did leave out a detail Um, from a lot of the, the, the same two reports that I keep, I, I refer, I keep looking at both of them and referring them to each other kind of style. And there's one thing that they had in common is that the the weather, it was very rainy and windy Mm -hmm. and very cloudy. And so I guess like that also probably play a very big part. Sure. Maybe staying undetected. But like you said, like it's from behind the plane. So they probably wouldn't even be to see them. Yeah. Even if it was broad daylight. Yeah. But even then, the technology back then wasn't that great either. 1970. Yeah. So they're still wondering how the fuck that he is capable. I mean, your technology back then wasn't the greatest. Do we know what their what altitude they were traveling at the whole time? I, I don't, rec- I can't pull it off the top of my head. I was trying to remember it. It's got to be less than like 20,000. Yeah. yeah. It has to be because I've skydived and we were at 9,000 and it was a solo jump. Yeah. I've done it quite a few times. But like yeah, I said, and it was less than 9,000. It was at 9,000 and lower. Any higher you start getting than that, then obviously, yeah, I mean, I shouldn't say any higher because there's a certain there's a certain level you get to. Then obviously you have to pre breathe with your oxygen, and that's the whole Navy SEAL and everybody else yeah. that goes and does high altitude right. low opening or high altitude high opening halo or hey ho. They go and they do that, but there's that kind of little bit of middle area. So I guarantee that's one of the things he was bitching with the pilots about. I need you to keep at this elevation or this altitude, and I need you to keep at this speed because he knew he could survive that jump. Now, the other thing you take into account, too, like I said, where you're saying the pilots in the, in the fighter jets didn't see him. Well, if he jumped out and he was in a civilian model parachute, 
he's going to free fall. Let's say they're at 9,000 feet, 10,000 feet. 10,000. 10,000? 10,000. Let's say they're at 10,000. That's about where I jump from. You have about a 20 to 30 second free fall Mm -hmm. before you could pull that ripcord. Now think about that. 20 to 30 seconds, right? It's like you're traveling feet. on yeah, you're traveling 150 miles an hour. It's about 1.5 feet per second. So it's what a close to 300 feet per second, 250 yeah. right around there. 200 feet per second, right? You three fall free fall for 30 of those seconds without them even seeing a parachute. Yeah. You multiply 30 Times the 250. And then on top of that, you got... Shit, also they're a mile away before he even pulls his fucking ripcord. He was smart. He really planned it out. He must yeah. have been really, really smart to plan that out. I mean... I'm just saying. I, I look at that... I like, mean, because if it was me, I mean, as soon as I jump out, I'm fucking opening that parachute, so they're going to see me, so... <laughs> yeah, but that there, once again, I mean, he clearly knew what the hell he was doing. Yeah. yeah. 10,000 feet. Slow down to 150. I know I don't. I don't want to take the military parachute and civilian parachute. Yeah, like he didn't want the military. One. Yeah, I didn't want the military because he knew that that's a static line opener. You got to clip into the static line when you jump out, and then it pulls it itself. But I haven't seen a, seen a fucking static line on a commercial air flight, and I've flown hundreds of times. Yeah, <laughs> right. So yeah. I look at that, and I was like, man, the guy guy thought it out and he planned it out. So where do we go from here? So he jumps out. He's not caught. What did this special say about where they think he is or what happened? So from my understanding, there is this actual army guy and I found all these documents, how DB Cooper. Yeah. The, um, well, I'm going to show you who the guy is first. That's who he is. Apparently he was in the army with them. They were in the same, uh, battalion or in the same company. I'm sorry. So he was in the same company as D.B. Cooper? Yeah. So, they so were actually, what's D.B. Cooper's real name then, if he knows who he is? Well, that, that's that's kind of the, the the tricky part that I'm trying to like work my way into because it's like, you know about the D.B. Cooper effect where you know you try looking into it and then something comes up and just slaps you in the face and tells you that it's wrong, basically. But All right, now hold on. Hold on, brother. Now you're getting into conspiracy theory bullshit. <laughs> no. But my, my point being with that, look, here, here's the thing. You're, you're new to the show. You're coming on here. If you thoroughly believe something, I want you to stick, yeah. to, I want you to stick to your guns. No matter if I don't agree with it or not, I want yeah. you to stick to your guns if you, if you truly believe in it. Rod and I got in it yesterday. We got in it yesterday, and, and it was good because it was that healthy dialogue, and that's where this comes in is we're talking about this. If there's something you truly believe, I don't give a shit. Yeah, sure. It's, it's my show and Rod's show. And when we're on here kind of running the narrative, but at the same time, if I say something you don't agree with, right. then man, let's, let's fucking let's, strap on the gloves and let's, let's get down to it. All right. Let's right? do it. All right. So go. So basically from my understanding from what I've read on this was he was in Vietnam and basically, there was some, I guess, like black ops operations going on or something like that. Mm-hmm. And from my understanding, this guy named Robert, I forgot his last name, Rickstraw, Rackstraw, something like that. I forgot how to pronounce it. So Robert Rackstraw. So at first, they thought it was, they thought it was a guy named Dick Riggs because he was also in that same battalion with said personnel that I showed you a picture of. Right. And they were best <coughs> friends for a long time. 
but in the army and all that, you know, you create lots of friends. Mm-hmm. And he thought it was him because of uh, they would hang out a lot outside of work, and he would always just be in because he was actually an aviation pilot. Okay. And he was just always like, man, I wish I could just tell everybody here, like who I really was, that I was DB Cooper and all that. And so. Him telling his friend is like, help me sell my story. He's just like, it's been like 10 years. Like, I don't, I doubt anything's going to happen. Wait, so when he's talking to this guy that you're talking about, this is after, after the whole D.B. Cooper yeah. incident went down. Yeah. So then they're postulating, according to this, D.B. Cooper survived that jump. Yeah. He, he absconded with the money and then he went back to a buddy that he knew from the army. Yeah. Yeah, so basically when he jumped out of a plane, like, they couldn't find the parachute. They've only found those $5,000 that that family found. Mm-hmm. But that, that's that's kind of where I'm connecting these stories because this uh, Dick Riggs guy, when he was saying that, they were all at a party with said family. With That family was there at that party that found that the money. found the $5,000. Yeah, and, he's, and he told his friend, like, they're, he's just like, how do I even know you're... D.B. Cooper. He's like, we work for the army for crying out loud. Wait a minute. So D.B. Cooper shows up to this party where the family that got the $5,000 was? Yeah, but apparently he showed up to that party before they found it. Before. Oh, before they found the $5,000. Yeah, and so when buddy, when his buddy was asking D.B., you know, like, how do I know you're really D.B. Cooper? He's like, that family right there is going to find the money. And he's like, what? Sure enough, I think it was like a few days later on the news and they announced it and this family finds the money. Huh. And all that. But somehow, mysteriously, he then dies in, like, I think it was, like, 1980 in a one-car crash accident in Oregon. But All right. I was a state trooper. I'm going to tell you. One-car crash fatalities. It's pretty common. <laughs> Shit happens all the time, I'll be perfectly honest with you, especially in the 70s with no seatbelts. So why does that raise suspicion? Well, because, like, I just feel like it raised suspicion for me because, like, if somebody was trying to silence him. But then again, it's like, why would they silence him? But why would him? they be silencing him if he just stole money and got away? He, I don't even he doesn't have he any was. military secrets. Yeah. He just fucking stole money and right. he burned him. Right. Well, I, so why are you going to kill him? I think he was just trying to play the role of D.B. Cooper. I never thought he was really actually D.B. Cooper, to be honest with you. But what was his point then? To get the fame, because he was trying to sell his story, because soon after he died, his buddy then took the story and started telling everybody he was D.B. Cooper. Hmm. And then FBI investigated him with him having military background experience, being close to aviation, him, you know, D.B. Cooper jumping. Right. So they're going to be like, we got to check you out now. And I guess basically it went like this. They were just like, you know, if you are D.B. Cooper, charge could still be filed. And he's just like, all right, I'm just playing. You guys, like, I'm not D.B. Cooper. <laughs> right. He's just like, yeah, no. He's just like, if anybody, it would have been my buddy and he's dead. You know? And he's dead anyway. <laughs> yeah. So is it confirmed that this dude that supposedly was this guy's friend is D.B. Cooper then? No. And nobody has ever nobody been. Nobody knows, right? Kind of my point. Yeah. Nobody knows. But... There and it ends up going back down to this other military, the same military guy. He ends up getting back up on it because I guess he just wasn't satisfied with what he got out of it and he made an embarrassment out of himself. Mm-hmm. And so, is it because he didn't catch DB Cooper or because I, I think it was because of the embarrassment? Was, but having to do with what? What was his embarrassment? 
Because he... Because he knew D.B. Cooper? No, because of his b- friend trying to convince everyone that... Trying to say, like, oh, yeah, I'm D.B. Cooper. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. okay. And I, then right, basically I see. I see doing saying. all the research behind it, and they prove them all wrong. I, okay, now I see what you're saying. Okay, I thought you were talking about the who we think is the real D.B. Cooper, and he's trying to... Okay. No, they you. haven't even looked at that guy at this point yet. Okay, got it. And so and that's when they start um, looking at other people... Um, for clues because they're saying the shit we're hearing is not adding up no it doesn't make sense that this guy that we think is db cooper did this this and this that's why they are looking into something different to find out a different right. who actually is db right right okay and so with with the what i was reading is they took a new approach to to figure out who it was like they were just looking at all kinds of different stuff, and one of the ways where they started was, is the uh, DB Cooper files. They didn't look at the investigation. They they started going through the files, and you 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 know code A equals one, B equals two. Well, it depends on what code you're using. But yeah, sure. but like that's that was the code that was being used then. Okay, and so um, he was then DB at the time. The actual whoever it was was uh, basically sending documents to these courts, basically also trying to, like, talk, saying, like, I'm traveling or, like, I'm out here, I'm out there. But there were so many notes, nobody even knows if it really was from real D.B. Cooper. could have just been some 10-year-old kid playing a joke. Sure. And so... This is after he escaped off the plane, of course. Yes, yes. Right? Okay. Because there are some that believe that uh, he fucking died. Yeah, I, I highly doubt that personally. I, and there's the thing. So there's where I look at it and I say, I don't think he passed away. No. I think he got out of that plane because he was smart enough to know less than 10,000 feet, less than 150 miles an hour. He was smart enough to know that. Yeah. And if he jumps, dude, look, I'm an idiot. And I've, sky, I, I've, done, I've been skydiving maybe three times, like solo skydiving. And if you put me in that situation, less than 500 or less than 10,000 feet, and 150 miles an hour, my dumb ass could survive that. <laughs> yeah. Right? So I'm saying I've jumped three times. Now, if this is a guy that's supposedly jump qualified at some point in the military, yeah, those are typically static line jumps, but he understands the basic idea behind pulling a ripcord, how it's going to happen, what's going to happen, your body positioning. He understands all that stuff. So I see him jump from that, and I say that's a livable, that's a very livable that's a very livable situation. Right. My fat ass, my fat old ass could live through that situation. You're not fat. Well, but I am. Compa- you've seen pictures, bro. you seen <laughs> pictures. He was pretty rare before. Yeah. So, but, so I look at that and I go, and I say, yeah, I, I 100% believe he's, that was a survivable incident, and I yeah. believe he survived it. I really do. Now, right. So now, yes, go ahead, sorry. Now, tell them what they found on the tie. The materials that oh, were found yeah, all the time. Yeah, yeah. They found some uh, rare materials that you would only necessarily find in like uh, industrial like plants, like industrial power plants, uh-huh. almost like oil refineries and just stuff like that. Or you, the only other place you would find the material that was singularly on his tie would have been. I like the way you think. But I'm okay. I don't want any more. Come on. Oh, come no, on, I'm okay. Man. Come on. I'm okay. You guys do that. God damn it. Oh, dude, is he speaking is he speaking Spanish to you? <laughs> is he speaking Spanish? When yeah. I do it, when you when I do it, you call me a racist. 
So we have a thing here where when LT starts speaking Spanish to me, I'm like, oh, here you go. Racist white motherfucker. But I'm know? trying to do better. See, I'm trying to I know you are. Thing. I know you are. It's good. Like, see, I don't even know what you would call Jack Daniels. I would say Jack Daniels. No, Jack Daniels. <laughs> uh, just Jack Daniels. Jack right? Daniels. I mean, there's no other. But if you, if you, you say Yak Daniels. Yak Daniels. That's right. But if you know him as well as I do, you just call him John. John. <laughs> All right, Cheers. Dear God. Uh-huh. Proceed. God. Proceed. Weak. Proceed. <laughs> so those materials that they found. Dude, out I'm an old man. And he's calling weak, and I'm like, yeah, I'm weak as fuck right now. <laughs> yeah. How long do we have on this episode? <laughs> I'm about to puke into that trash can again like I did yesterday after work. How long do we have on this episode? <laughs> we're actually I'll getting... To, I would imagine we're getting close. Yeah, this, we're getting pretty close. This, we're at, this is a good one. All right, finish. That's all right. I'll be quick. Finish. So on that, on that tie, they basically end up finding some materials that could only be found in like these industrial places, like a said power plant. Any, anything of that sort. Basically, it was a rare metal. But there was one other place you could find that. And that was uh, basically a manufacturing aircraft, an aircraft manufacturer, mm-hmm. Boeing. And Boeing was, I believe, is close by to that area. I'm not sure where their headquarters is. I should have looked that up. Mm-hmm. That would have been great to know. It's all right. It's, pro- it's probably Northern California, Southern Oregon area, yeah. to be honest with you. Well, because I was thinking about that, too. He could be... There's a lot of conspiracy theories that he could have worked at Boeing. But then again, 1970s, clip-on tie, it's packed in in an airport. You know, it's a clip-on. Somebody could come up and just yank it and be like, it's my time now. Bye. It's so crowded, you're going to chase me? You know, like... There's, you know, I just I just see it highly impossible that he could necessarily be a a Boeing employee. There there's just one possible lead that I honestly I back. Again, this is more of the conspiracy theory type of thing, but it, it goes back to that files. And basically um, which files? The the FBI classified files. Basically they did it classified after a certain amount of years and it's already been released. Yep, they've been and, released now. Yeah. Yep. Um, it, it's still kind of iffy paperwork because more than half of it's been whited out. It's redacted. Yeah. Yeah. And so got to redact a lot of the information just because it, just because it's, it's relayed to the public doesn't mean that it's information that the public needs to know about. If there are private names or there are private right. things that they think might affect it, then they do what's known as redacted, whether they back in the day white it out or now it's just this black line through anything that you want to read. So yeah, it's, they redact it. So go ahead. Sorry. Right. No, you're good. Um, but basically, I think it's that Robert Rackstraw guy, because leading back to him, he was basically from Canada, moved to the U.S. under because he was working for the CIA under contract because he was an aviation pilot. Uh-huh. And from my understanding, from what I've read on there, is that's why they would. So that's who they're thinking D.B. Cooper really is. Yeah. And they've tried to confront him while he was still alive because he's dead now. Unfortunately, he passed sure. in 2019. I think the report the guy you told me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. He passed away in 2019. Makes but sense. they kept going. And I'm going. And I'm trying to get him to crack. And the most they ever got out of him was I think it was a week and a half before he died. He just said, maybe I was, dude. And I was just like, what does it matter to you? That's all he had said. And because they were at his like kind of like boatyard kind of thing. He, he was out in San Diego. And they kept like basically harassing the guy. It was like, there, there's a certain point where it's investigative to harassment. And I felt like they were just yeah. on him on a daily basis where it was like, dude. Like, well, all right, hold on. 
Let me give my two cents from the law enforcement perspective. Do it. So if you have viable leads and all those leads are exhausted and you're actually trying to figure something out, look, I look at something, I look at something as old as 71 where, God, I'm going to take a lot of shit for what I'm about to say, but I look at it as a quote unquote victimless crime, right? Because he got money. Yeah. Granted, he victimized people because the, the flight attendants, he, they thought they were going to die. The pilots thought they were going to die, blah, blah, blah. But he didn't go out and murder anybody. No, he didn't kill anybody. Like to be honest, he basically stole money and jumped out of a fucking plane. Yeah. That's what he did. Yeah. And that's 71. That's over 50 years ago. He never touched anyone. He never killed anyone. I was born in 71. Right, so I'm 50, and DB Cooper is obviously. I know, right? Damn, no, I don't have a problem. Look, with that. look, I know we, I'm fucking we, old. We never say that to LT. We always make him think he's younger than he is. Nah, <laughs> dude, I know I'm on the back hill slide. I know I am. He's got one foot in the hole already. My best fucking years are behind me. I know that. I'm not dumb. They're all behind me, man. Here we are, 11 a.m. taking shots. I know, right? <laughs> so it's like, yeah, things are good. But 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 my my point to that is, fuck! I forgot my point. You got me off on the wrong fucking. <laughs> he started it. No, See, that's yeah, that's what we shouldn't take shots point. when we record. It has nothing to do with the shots. <laughs> no, you were saying about how uh, the investigative, like non-victimless crime, get away yeah, with all. Yeah, okay. Money. So there's the thing. So you you have a you have a basically, like I said, I know I'm going to catch shit for this. You have a basically what amounts to a victimless crime, because they gave him the money. Mm-hmm. Right, he didn't kill anybody. Yes, he scared some people. He jumped out of the plane. Now that does not, by any means, shape, or form, excuse what he did. Yeah, right. I'm just saying that. Is recently as how long ago was this that they were interviewing this guy? Rackstraw. And, yeah. uh, I believe it was like uh, twenty fifteen. No, he died in nineteen. So I would assume it'd be like fifteen. Twenty fifteen, right? So. Yeah. Why the shit would you care 40 years later? Yeah, that's kind of like where I kind of see it as not necessarily harassing. Like, I see it as like, okay, you're trying to find some answers, but it's like the consistency of how they were like. Other than other than if you want some kind of closure. Yeah. But me personally, I don't care what I don't care really. I mean, I'm thinking in my head statute statutes of limitations. Uh And I'm thinking, I guess he had kidnapping. He probably had, you <laughs> yeah. know, he probably had Threat bomb. terroristic threats. He probably had, um, God, there's got to be a lot of other federal client crimes <laughs> that, would, that would fall under that in, in 71. So I look at those and I say, okay, maybe you look at all of those. But, but the thing you have to prove with things is intent. Do I personally or any of you really think that D.B. Cooper intended to blow up that plane? No. There's no intent. No. So if there's no intent, then it's a fake and kind of overt threat. Which is still arrestable. Sure, you could still arrest somebody for it. I'm not not disagreeing with that. But the fact I say is that now 45 years later when he's, you know, laying on his deathbed in a fucking, you know, a houseboat somewhere and they're, they're fucking with him over and over. The only reason I can see that you do that is so that you get closure to the case, right. not so that you prosecute this dude that's 70 something years old 
Yeah. You like just broke. want an answer. Like, I would just want an answer. Go, bro, just tell me. Right? Like, that's I all I want to give a shit know. either way. Was it you? And he's like, yeah, it was me. I did it. This is how I did it. I'm like, fucking right on. Right. I, like, I, at least I can be... put in my report. Right. Like, talk to him. It's done. It's over. He's on his deathbed. I find no reason to arrest this guy and incarcerate him because he's dead anyway. Right. He's kind of almost like an American legend because, like, if you. Like, even though there was no political statement behind it, with which most hijackings do have a political statement behind it, yep. I feel like it was kind of like, I guess you could kind of say, uh, like, just that little, like, vigilante kind of thing, where yeah, it's like, I, screw the government. You yeah, know? Like he was... He, taking it, sticking it to the man. And I and I don't, like I said, I don't... I don't know, man. I got. I have to. I have to watch this documentary myself just to just to see because I. It's on Netflix. I believe it's on Netflix, right? Yeah. That's what I was gonna say. I saw it last night, and I literally was gonna watch it. So this blows me away that you're talking about it today because I looked at it and I was like, maybe. And then I went and I went. No, I want to watch Chris Pratt and the Terminal List again. <laughs> I don't I know. I, I was watching Dumb and Dumber last night. Ah, well, you gotta love Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So guy, you're saying I have a chance <laughs> when the guy when the cop pulls him over? Oh, so you were drinking, yeah. huh? He's like, give me that. He does that whole thing. Go. Yep. Pissing in the bottles. Yeah. yeah. Oh, trust me. I know, bro. He's like, give me another bottle. Give me another bottle. Hurry. Right. Yep. I'm going to catch this last part real quick. So no, yeah. Let's get on with this. Go. Um, so basically, they end up trying to link it to him. But once he passes, they then try to go a different route about trying to figure out who it is once again. To but somebody else besides of him. Of course. Well, no. This time, they're not even looking at any like anyone with interest. This time... It, it was a whole different lead, and the, by a whole different lead, it was a comic book called Dan Cooper what? from Canada. Yeah, really? show the photo. Yeah, it was popular in Canada and in France. What was the year? Uh, we'll see that right now. <laughs> He's like, I don't remember. Yeah, no, it's okay because I know yeah. there's a lot of. I know we're talking. We're talking about a lot of stuff and a lot of yeah. dates here. I mean, it's pretty interesting how he just memorized oh, it all. I, no, no, I think it's really cool because you know one of my, you know, yeah. one of my pet peeves is everybody was, always looking at their phone. Yeah. Their, go ahead. So it was in 1954. It was released November 25th. Show the photo. Yeah. So don't show me nudes. Show the photo. Nothing. Well, you can't have fun and safe at the same place. Wait a minute. So are we saying? Are they saying that this is where DB Cooper got his idea? Yeah. Oh. Well, they're they're saying that it, it basically is like where he got his like game plan and stuff like that. But they're thinking that maybe he followed this comic book since he was a kid and kind of wanted to be an aviation pilot for those reasons and mm -hmm. kind of eventually got a contract with CIA and was just like I'm going to be a badass. <laughs> Interesting. Finally got all that yeah, experience and read all those comics. You, you can conquer the world. <laughs> Just on a uh, a side note, I have that. Oh, that is so dope. You're going to bring it over. I have a 9.8. This is a 9.9. 9, what? And they want $32,500. Mine's a 9.8. You're going to bring it over so we can see it. 
I lend you my phone so you can look at the D.B. Cooper comics and you start looking at other comics. I did. It was phone. right there. Okay, I'm sorry, bro. I'm sorry. Uh, that's what he does. I'm you look, a, you I'm a the comic phone? fan. He starts looking at stuff on your phone. Just why do you no, got a picture of I'm this? A, I'm a comic fan, dude. I, yeah, he I, is. I, I He's got to shit on comics. Anything that we comics. look at, I look at, I try to... No, seriously, <laughs> dude. Like comics, seriously. Playboy. Like, I need... No, man. I'm talking like old I'm school. I'm into comics, too. Old school... You know, yeah, teenies, me too. Old school Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, old yeah, no, no. Wolverine. Those are pretty dope. Those no, he school, for real yeah. has a bunch of comics and he told us about it when yeah. Zeke was still here. Yeah. No, my old school Punisher. Remember when remember when Zeke tried to go toe to toe with me and tell me that Dolph Lundgren wasn't the original hey, Punisher? He's watching us right now, I'm sure. <laughs> Zeke, you remember that shit, bro? I'm bringing that up right now because I remember Zeke looking at me going, nope, nope, nope. No, it wasn't Dolph Lundgren. That wasn't the first guy. Yeah, because I remember I know, that. You I pulled know, it out. I know the movie he's talking about. It is with Thomas Jane, which was back in about 2003 or 2004 yeah. is when he was there. But the original Punisher came out with Dolph Lundgren in about 93. Or no, no shit. It was earlier than that. I want to think it was about 90. So when he was throwing that down, I was like, dude, Zeke was telling me, oh, I'll bet you $20. I bet you $20. No, I ain't no way the first Punisher movie was punt Dolph Lundgren. I was like. Look it up, bro. <laughs> Look it up. You really want to go toe to toe with me on comic right. stuff? Yeah, Let's yeah. Fucking and, roll. And Let's roll. LT1. And who was right? You Goddamn right. right. But is my there, point with that too though is that that I find very interesting because you know, yeah, I maybe maybe he did find his inspiration. I would like from to find that. that comic and buy it and see what we can get out of it. Dude, I'm, I bet that fucking so expensive. Those DVD I had a little detail error right there. The the comic was actually uh, is French, but it was very popular in Canada. Interesting. Well, I mean, Canada mm. is known for their language. Well, too, yeah, they're, so. they're obviously of the French descendants. Right, but I just want to clarify No, that. no, no, that's fine. Yeah. It's all good. It's all good. I follow this girl on TikTok. She's from Canada. She's really hot. Oh, really? Yeah, she's Nothing really to do cool. with comic books, I bet, huh? Very cool. What is it? <laughs> what is it? No, 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 no. Her name is American, but she's from Canada. Like, all right, dude, we went a long one on this one, but I appreciate. Let me say yeah. this: I appreciate you coming out yeah. and having all the memor all all of this story, yeah. kind of memorized and in your in your mind. Um, yeah. Hopefully, you saw because I know this is your first time on here. That yeah, I may not know a hundred percent what you're talking about, but. I'm fairly well versed in a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, you know, I grew up on DB Cooper. Yeah, let me let me geek out for two seconds. When I was a little kid and I heard about DB Cooper, one, two, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I right, go again, go again, <laughs> keep going. I thought it was really cool that he was that he was stole shit. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was really cool that he stole shit and he got away. Yeah, so, exactly. No, when I was a little kid, I really did. I was yeah. like, what the hell? I was I I didn't I didn't say oh, I want to do that. I just went. That's Whoa, cool. <laughs> what the hell? Like, really? This dude jumped out of a fucking plane? Well, it's like all of us when we were kids and reading comics and all right. that stuff. You see Hulk, I'm like, oh, I want to do that too. You yeah, know? Like, right? Yeah, and, and you see that stuff in, in when, well, and then this goes to the whole thing. Dude, when I grew up, I'm going to ask a question, and I swear to God, if you guys don't answer this right, <laughs> you're both fired. Have you guys seen Enter the Dragon? What? Enter the Dragon, yeah. Enter the Dragon with Bruce Lee? Yeah. Yeah. Thank thank God. It's not a long time ago in Mexico. But I yeah. watched The Godfather. I watched thank all God, of those dude. movies. Look, look. Enter the Dragon. One of the greatest martial arts films ever made. It was really good. Ever Fearless made. Fearless is pretty good, too. Nah, Fearless is pretty good. But, dude, you're talking about the OG. Now, look. 
here's my point. I'm going to end with this real quick because I know we're way long. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're way long. Our no, editor is going to look at the video and like. <laughs> it's okay, though, because it goes to this. It goes to the fact yeah, yeah, that somebody yeah. coming on that has a good story they want to talk about and it's not all read from a phone. I like when people are prepared and that means a lot to me. So, yeah. so I appreciate that. I'll have notes up. Wait, what are you saying? I have my notes on my phone. I didn't say you. Oh, that's what I thought. Did I say you? No, no, no. You're saying that you don't like it when people pull shit from the phone. I pull my shit from the phone. No, no, no. You're throwing this shit at me because. No, I pull my shit from the phone. Because I'm the white dude. You're throwing this at I got, me. I got the boxing gloves in the car. Let's fucking throw Let's it fucking out, go. Bro. Let's do Let's this. Fucking go. Let's do this. <laughs> fucking pulls out his gun. All right, no? You're yeah. doing <laughs> Golden gloves, DC, baby. Let's roll. Let's do this. Nah, he'll for Let's sure do knock this. me out. No, but what I'm saying is, as I look at this and, and I yeah. just say, what an interesting what an interesting story. Yeah, it may not necessarily be quote-unquote par- paranormal, yeah. but there, unfortunately, there are people that relay a lot of paranormal to it to say, oh, well, there's no way he could have survived. And if he's still out there, it's his ghost and he's doing this. Mm-hmm. You get a lot of people saying that shit. Well, that, and that's, that's out there. It's that's kind of what I tell people before they come into the show. It's like, you don't have to really say anything paranormal. Like, doesn't have to be about paranormal stuff. Yeah. Just if interesting. You, if you get an interesting story, go ahead and say yeah. it, dude. Like, doesn't matter what it is. Because, and I think that's one of the cool things about what we do, because we have your background, we have my background, and no matter what it is, I didn't know what we were going to talk about till you sat down and started talking about it. Yeah. And then we went, now there are some things we need to be clear. There are some things we talk about that we have very much so we know this is what we're going to talk about on the show. This is the direction we want to go, and this is what we want to cover. Yeah. Right? Like, we've done that. Because, yeah, for sure. Because there's stuff that we feel is necessary that we need to hit. But then there are times where we look at each other and we say, dude, I came up with something last night. Yeah. What dude. is it? Just shut up and wait. <laughs> he, shut up and wait. He tends to do that a lot. He'll text me at nine and be like, hey, dude, like I got a topic for tomorrow. I'm like, okay, cool. What is it? He'll like, you'll see. Just it. wait. God damn it. Because that's the whole point, yeah. right? Is there, there's the part of the organic thing with you talking about this. Now, I knew you were going to talk about D.E. Cooper. I didn't know how in-depth you were going to go. So once again, I sincerely appreciate yeah, yeah. how in-depth you went. And, well, and how seriously you took this because it's it's one thing for you to sit there and describe everything. It's another thing for somebody to sit there and go, D.B. Cooper, 1971, walked into plane, talked yeah. to stewardess, handed note. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know somebody so, like that. I know, right? There, it Well, if, See? if you could get him to do anything. Not Zeke. Not Zeke. Not Zeke. If we can go do something, no, yeah. not Zeke. You know what I'm talking <laughs> yeah. about. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, but, but no, no, no. I think it, I think it's super cool to, to come in and, and to give yeah. your spin on things. And then. And it's, f- it's funny because since yesterday, since yesterday, yeah, in the afternoon when I got home, he was telling me about it. And I was like, okay, cool. Then uh, do your little investigation on it. Yeah. Read about it. Make some notes. And we'll talk about it tomorrow on the show. And then all day yesterday and today he chewed my ear out with just this kept saying, Oh, I got this, I got this, I got and this. I was like, I know, I'm like, like, okay, cool. And like You're like, bro, quit fucking texting me. We'll talk about it manana. Yeah, I was like, dude, just chill, we'll talk about it tomorrow. Yeah. Like, this morning, as I'm making breakfast, he's like, dude, I got this. I'm like, dude. We'll talk like, about it today. Yeah, like, don't worry about it. Well, yeah. I just he was ready to go. At ten o'clock he was ready to go. I was like, good. I'm just up early. 
No, it's just, good. It's good, man. So what is the overall consensus then that you drew from it? What I drew from it, I... Is he alive? Is he dead? Is he... He is dead. Think? He is definitely dead because if he were alive today, he'd be about nine. And the... I think he'd be around like in his 70s or 80s. I was going to say upper 70s, lower 80s Yeah, because I've seen other... Like he, was, he was probably close to the age of my dad. And my mom, I think now, well, is like 81. Going back to that comic, I'm really thinking he was a boy when that comic came out. And he was in his mid-20s. And that was what? The f- 20 years later. What year was he born? 50. 50 uh, well, the comic, the, the was comic came out in the 50s, right? Yeah, comic came out in 51. Nobody knows what year he was born because nobody knows who he is. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe if he well, read that, I mean. Let's look see, at Robert Rackstraw real quick. Let's see, my dad was born in 39 and passed away in 2017. My dad was born in 1946. So he was almost 80, right? My so dad my, is almost 80. My mom's born in 41. So probably who was born in those in those years, I mean. Because if he saw that comic, and that comic was out like in the fifties, so he, so was, he was, was probably born in the forty-five. So he was probably born What's in the sixty-five. Is when you think he was born? Yeah, I think I think he was born in the fifties. I don't know, dude. Man, I mean, my, in the brother, my brother was born in sixty-eight. Man, he's only three years older than me. And I, for this guy to only be three years older, he'd only be fifty-six. Nah, right I, now? I honestly That's, think I, I honestly think that. he was born in the forties. He, he had to have been. Yeah, like nine, nineteen thirty-nine, thirty years, forties. When he started seeing those comics, yeah. Well, I, yeah I just have a very strong know, feeling man. that those comics had I mean, to come out when he was a boy. If he was like ten, fifteen, like do, do the math. Think about it, like. 50 and then start backtracking. I mean, you can easily get the year that he was born. You know? Well, and that's what I'm saying is I look at those facts and I look at me when I started collecting comics as like a sophomore in high school. Yeah. So. 16, 17, right? And those comics had a huge impact on me. I'm talking the original Wolverine series, like Pit from Image Comics, Spawn from Image Comics, X-Men back when they rebranded in 93. I mean, all of those, I start looking at all those and I, and I, and I say... That was about my age, maybe 18, By any 19, chance, but then this guy, if he's that age and he's seeing these D.B. Coopers from 10 years earlier, that makes sense to me because that's going to kind of shape him. By any chance, do you remember if back in the day, because I heard about it. Oh. What? I just, yeah, you guys are right. So the guy I think is actually Robert, is D.B. Cooper, Robert Rackstraw. 76 years old, died 2019, born oh, okay. in October 16, 1943. 1940. Now, that, there you go. that I believe. Now, yeah. that I, I, now, that one, I tend to more to go, okay, but 65, I'm going, uh. I think he, he was like 10 years old or somewhere around there because from yeah, 43 the to 50. Came yeah, out. exactly. So, by any chance, do you remember, since you're more into comics, do you remember when there was that... Uh, mashup between Marvel and DC where they were both combining their shit? Dude, that was a very small kind of weird run, though. Yeah, that I I still yeah I heard about it. I I heard about it, never read it, but yeah, they never really did a huge crossover with it because there were too many egos with it. And then I'm sure people are gonna jump out me out there and say I'm wrong. Honestly, the I way feel... I'm saying it, but it was look, you have too many intellectual properties. They're gonna collide. Place. Yeah, it's not gonna happen. But I do remember who, who from Marvel is gonna fight Superman, <laughs> Batman. Oh, that's DC. I know. So that's I know, no, 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 so I know. I'm saying, for, who, so, who from Marvel is going to fight him? I mean, yeah. You, you start looking at the whole thing and it, what Dr. Manhattan, he's also DC slash, you know, kind of a subcategory, which is the Watchmen, you know. But you look at that and you just go, I don't know. 
Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. No, I just want a comic booky geek. No, I just want to go ahead and end the episode already because it's way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, 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 go. Um, thank you for being here, like always. Um, thank you for having me, LT. Um, Thanks for being here. Where can the send those mail to? Paranormal after hours at gmail.com. Send us any emails, anything that you want to say. If you want to say how uh, ugly I am or how handsome Rod is, or how, thank you, thank how you. handsome our guest was and how intelligent he was, single and ready to mingle, then, <laughs> dude, do not say that. You're going to get him in trouble. <laughs> it's okay. I know I, that girl. I'm single, not even close, ready to mingle. Because but he's I ready have, to mingle. No, I have zero doubt. I have zero desire to mingle. I am so good just hanging and chilling by myself, bro. He's Look gonna, at me. Look at me. Do I look like I'm trying to impress anybody? I'm in. No. Come on. No. He's like, no. (laughs) He's like, nah. Dude, you know what? Deleted. You're fucking seen. Oh, Oh, shit. I think think we lost the video. I think we lost the files for that video. Who the hell does he think he is? I don't know, dude. He's coming in, throwing shade at me right from the get go. I'm telling you, dude, this kid's nowadays. What the fuck? Kids. You're Anyways. Here in three months older I rely on you for my light work. A yeah. light work? Are you kidding me? Right? Like, I come have... on now. Brother man. All right. He wants more. Don't give me more, though. Like, just you guys. Before we end the episode. I don't mean light work as far as that goes. But I'm anyways. saying, brother man. Guys, go ahead and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, uh, Twitch, and YouTube as PSS After Hours. Uh, like I said, he can you can just send an email to where he said earlier. Paranormalafterhours at gmail.com. Uh, leave a comment on Facebook if you're watching us on Facebook. Leave a comment on Facebook if you're watching us on YouTube. Leave your comments. Um, and we're just going to end this with uh, LT and Josh taking a shot. I sincerely appreciate you coming out and being prepared and doing what it is that you needed to do. Yeah, man. We're going to do this. And then because I'm old, I'm going to have to chase it with some Coke here in a second. Anyways, guys, remember... This PSS after hours. Uh, you want to say your little? I hate you. You want to keep? You want to say your signature lines before I say mine? Of course. Hey, everybody out there for PSS after hours, LTG, Rod, Josh signing off. We just want to say, as always, remember: be safe, keep your powder dry, watch your six. Actually, I screwed that order up. It's be safe, watch a six, and keep your powder dry. Damn, what's wrong with me? It's the shot I had to take. Yeah. <laughs> and other than that, always remember everybody that's out there. Always remember one thing with PSS, after hours, things are what, Rod? Things are going to get a little weird. Yes, they are. Thanks, everybody, for watching. We'll be coming back at you. Thanks, everybody.